Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, ugly, hot, cold, we here. And I'm your host, Brian Sam, with co-host Stephen Wisdom. What's going on, Stephen? How you doing, brother? Man, I am well. I am well. I'm well. Uh, and it is definitely not cold. It yeah. is one of those hot ones. It is definitely one of those hot ones. It's summertime. It has set in. It's not fun to sit out there. And you need an umbrella. You got to have a face mask. All that fun stuff to fish right now. Just go at night. But we're still going to go. Yeah, I was actually down in Miami the last couple days doing a little research on a project that I'm working on that has to do with sharks. But we'll talk about that at another time. But I had to wear a mask on the airplane. So I basically wore a mask for... The better part of, of 24 hours, and it was it's quite miserable, right. to be honest. It's miserable. Well, hey, you know what's not miserable? The guy that we have on the phone today, and, uh, man, this guy is a legend in the fishing world. I mean, seriously, a legend in the fishing world. Not only that, he's a good man. He's a good guy. Welcome to the show, Jimmy Houston. Jimmy, how are you? You you on here with us? Doing good, doing good. You bet. Yeah, I was listening to y'all talking about wearing those masks, and uh, people have been telling me for years, asking me if I was wearing a mask. They think I'm wearing a mask, they think I have fake hair. And, uh, oh, my you know, God. Uh, yeah, if I had fake hair, it wouldn't be followed out like it is. I'd still have as much as I had 20 years ago. Hey man, I started the row game process myself. It's uh, it's getting here in a hurry on me. You might go in with Hank Parker on that. Hank Parker's buying it by the gallon. <laughs> he just dumping it on. <laughs> he used to he used to make a lot of jokes about my hair, but here lately he's not telling many hair jokes for some reason. Yeah, he's he's kind of eased up on that. Oh, he's backed off those hair jokes. <laughs> well, you know, I was just gonna tell our tell our listeners that I I was. Uh, honored and privileged to be able to um, to be invited to speak at a at a church in Tennessee, and of course I was just the the guy that knew nobody knew was going to be there. And then of course Mr. Houston was was the main speaker that everybody showed up to hear. And man, that was a packed house, and and it was a good time. But if you've never heard Jimmy Houston uh, speak the gospel, you're missing out. And uh, I'm sure there's places, and, and Mr. Jimmy, you can share some of those places where, where people may can go listen to it. But, uh, man, not only is this guy a incredible fishing, fisherman and, and really a pioneer in this industry, but just a good, a good strong man of faith. And, man, we, we appreciate who you are, Mr. Houston. Well, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate those kind words. Let's uh, – Man, I would love to hear, you know, we want to hear what's going on right now in your life and the fishing world, but I kind of want to, you know, I'm really curious to to hear your take on, God, what year did you start fishing on TV? <laughs> well, beginning January will be, it'll be 44 years, so I don't know exactly how that goes back. I think something like 1977 or something like that before most people in the world were ever born. <laughs> Right. So uh, we've been, yeah, we've been fishing on television for a long, long time. It's uh, It's been really, really a nice run. And we still air on the Discovery Channel and CBS Sports and the Pursuit, uh, WFN, Heartland Network, down in your part of the country there in Alabama. Heartland's a great, great network. We, we air on there all year around, two weeks a year. So we're still doing television shows. We've got involved a lot in the social media uh, stuff. We do about 500 videos a year for social media also. But 
but we're still just as heavy in television as we've ever been, uh, probably more so. I think we can run on about a dozen different networks. So we, we're staying busy. We can't quit. Man, that's, that's great. And I know that, uh, and before I go any further, I wanted to introduce our co-host, Stephen Wisdom, to you. Uh, Stephen, is, uh, he was 19 year professional fisherman and uh, man, got got a lot of knowledge, and so we're we're glad that Stephen's on the podcast, co-hosting this thing with me. Uh, but I was just going to do Stephen to you real quick. Yeah, absolutely. I've always been a, a huge Jimmy Houston fan. Uh, we, uh, I actually, me and my best friend still quote him on a regular basis, and Jimmy probably doesn't even know actually what we're quoting. But uh, Jimmy, I, I've met you several times, but I, you know, just in passing and all the shows and stuff because I've been in the industry my entire career, but. We were fishing a Marks Outdoors tournament one time here in here in Birmingham, the Greater Birmingham, Alabama area. Right, right, right. And, and, those uh, are great. We, those are great events. We came up on you one time and said hello and and you know asked you know how how are you doing? Are you catching them? And you're throwing your spinnerbait and you're like, you know, I'm gonna catch them on a spinnerbait. <laughs> and, <laughs> and from that day, that's probably ten years ago. From that day, every time we are fishing a spinnerbait. We are always jokingly saying out loud when we hook one, right. you know I'm going to catch him on a spinnerbait. <laughs> <laughs> that day where we, we crossed boats with Jimmy Houston on Lay Lake, and uh, it was just a really cool memory that we we, st- <laughs> we still every single time. That's great. It's one of those things that just yeah, that's with you. And, uh, so, but I've always yeah, been. You know, you know, I appreciate that. You know, isn't it amazing that with all of the uh, you know, the lure changes and things that we've had throughout the years and all of the things that they've done, that that old spinnerbait and that old plastic worm and that old crankbait keeps catching fish just like it did really before all of us were born, you might say. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, you know, as you know, you, you know a lot about it and the, the ins and outs and the critiquing and tweaking spinnerbaits. But when the conditions are just right, man, it is really – an amazing, uh, amazing bait, even 50, 60 years in the making, however long it's been. It may be longer than that. But And, and the crazy part about a spinnerbait that I love, and not to turn this into a spinnerbait show, but uh, it is, you know, it's crazy shaped and funny, you know, angled they are, and it's got the blades. You can cast it extremely accurately. You can literally put it wherever you want, oh, yeah. which has never made sense to me because it's not aerodynamic. It's it could, it's got all this crazy stuff on it, but I, I love it. I love, I love roll casting a spinnerbait underneath a willow bush or something like that. So, and that's all because of Jim. That's all because of Jim. You know, the other amazing thing, Stephen, is that it really doesn't look like or resemble anything that swims around in the lake that a fish would even want to think about biting. I don't really know why they bite it, bite it. it you know, people say, well, it looks like a shad and, if it looked like a shad, they would probably bite the blade because that's the shaddiest looking part of a spinnerbait. And um, and yet they don't bite the blade. They bite the jig part of it. They say that, uh, well, a jig, you know, represents a crawfish or something. And, well, if that's the case, you know, why do you need the blade on there? Because, of course, actually what a spinnerbait is, is just a jig with a blade. And so it, it's, uh, but it's just something about it that causes those bass to strike it. And they've been striking it for years. And a lot of people over the years have won a lot of money on that bait. I know it's paid a lot of bills around our house. And and uh, great fishermen like Roland Martin and Kevin Van Dam, Ricky Klun, uh, you know, of course, uh, you know, obviously all those guys fish everything great. But those are all great spinnerbait fishermen right there. I've fished a lot with all three of them. And, and you know, and you could go just name, go on down the list with, with guys that have, that have done really well in professional fishing in 
and in um, television shows and everything else. And, and the boy spinnerbait is a big part of their arsenal too. So it's just a cool, fun bait to fish, no doubt about it. Absolutely. So, so tell us what's going on in in Jimmy Houston fishing world right now. Tell us what what you're working on. What what does day to day life look at, like in your fish current fishing career? Yeah. One of the strange things. It's been a different year for us. It's the first year uh, since I was a senior in college that we have not fished national tournaments. You know, I fished national tournaments for 54 consecutive years, and uh, we're not fishing any tournaments this year. I waited until December before I made that final decision to not fish tournaments, and it was a very difficult decision to make when you basically, we've done them all of our life. We had a, a really uh, pretty good year last year in tournament fishing, won over $50,000, and and uh, and I, I probably should have gone and fished because we've lost so much in personal appearance money this year that, uh, it could have, it would have been nice to pick up another fifty or sixty thousand in tournaments, but uh, <laughs> but you know it's been a tur- crazy tournament year for the guys that are playing also. And uh, but but I you know I finally made the decision not to not to fish this year, basically because of a rule change. You know, uh, I uh, came real close to going back to BASS. I fished FLW for a while, and and I came real close to going back to BASS actually uh, a year before last, and and did not. Uh, basically because they have a rule in there where you cannot practice by yourself. You can't, your wife or your son or anybody can't practice with you. And of course, Chris and I have practiced together, you know, ever since we were teenagers. So it's just part of our, you know, deal in tournament fishing. And uh, and I just felt like that. And then, of course, FLW uh, joining up with uh, Major League Fishing, they adopted that or adapted or whatever you call it, that exact same rule uh, where you couldn't fish with your wife or, or your son or daughter or anything. And, and, uh, and of course, which I, I, you know, I never agreed with that kind of rule because I've always thought fam- fishing should be a family sport, but you know, I just felt like that the, those three tournament days are such difficult days from a, a, a physical and mental standpoint, you know, you fish from daylight till dark, you don't get to come in at three o'clock and weigh in or four o'clock and weigh in. And, like major league fishing, they take a break every couple hours, you know, and let those guys rest. I guess, I guess that's what that's for. I don't know, but uh, but you know, in the tournament, it is not nearly as difficult fishing uh, physically or mentally as it is during practice. And so I just felt like that those three practice days that I probably real quickly I'd get where it wasn't any fun. And uh, you know, and I thought, man, at my age, I, I deserve to be having fun out there every day. I don't want to do something. I don't want to be doing something I don't want to do. You know, and. And I felt like that Chris, you know, she said she would go to the tournaments with me, but probably after the first couple of tournaments or sitting in a hotel room for seven or eight days in a row, she would probably, you know, find a real good excuse to stay here in Southern Oklahoma on this ranch. And, um, and I wouldn't blame her. I wouldn't blame her for that. I wouldn't want to do that either. So I felt like it would just be, uh, yeah, I just thought it'd take the fun out of it. And I've always said that if I ever get to where I don't have fun fishing, I'll just quit fishing. And, uh, so far that part hadn't got here, thankfully, and it probably never will but I didn't want to go play those tournaments without having fun. So, uh, so we didn't, and it made, it's made the year a lot, a lot more difficult, uh, different, you know, not difficult, but different. We, uh, we had a tremendous amount of personal appearances lined up this year. I actually did 32 appearances before the COVID kind of shut everything down after March 15th. I did 32 appearances from January 1st to there. And, and, but we've had a pretty much everything else has been canceled the rest of the year. So, we're still doing television shows, running around the country, uh, filming shows for the 21 Jimmy Houston Outdoor Series. We're doing 500 videos a year for our uh, Jimmy Houston Outdoors YouTube channel and, and Facebook uh, fan page. And we got about a half a million people on those two, two uh, social medias combined. So 
that's one thing we're working on really, really hard. And, and uh, we still do have a few churches on our schedule for the rest of the year, but you know, really most of the appearances have been canceled. And so it's kind of a, it's a strange year. I've got to spend more time on the ranch than ever. And that's been good. I've enjoyed that. It's been expensive time. I, I though that I've spent here because of missing all of those, all of those appearances. Yes, sir. Absolutely. I, it's just, it, it is a different time and a, and a crazy time for anybody who's who's doing something in the public eye right now it's made it very difficult but and i did not realize you just educated me i didn't realize that that rule Stephen. i'm sure you did you fish but i didn't realize that rule was in place that you couldn't have anybody in the boat when, on practice days and and man i can I, I can see where that would would be very uh, very tiring especially like you said your wife she doesn't want to sit in the hotel room and wait on you for three solid days you know and then and then spend and, and then the tournament after that so uh, yeah that's that's right and you, you think about <clears throat> you think about how difficult it is out there sometimes and, and y'all have fish tournaments so you know uh you know you're out there and it's one or two o'clock in the afternoon and you hadn't done very much good you hadn't caught very much hadn't figured out much and you're fighting it and it's hard to play. And, and, and a lot of the guys, you know, most of the guys do fish by themselves. Obviously all of them do now. And you could fish in another tournament contestant, but nobody does that unless you have a boat breakdown. But it just takes a lot of the fun out of it. And in FLW, there were a lot of the fishermen that were fishing with their wives. And some of them were even people like Rob Kilby that's fished tournaments forever. Uh, and now his wife was, is, was able to fish with him the last three or four years. Uh, and able to travel with him to tournaments and she never did up to that point and, and was practicing with him and, you know, Tommy Monsters and, and, uh, Zell Rollins and, and uh, there's several, I can name several of them. And, and, uh, to take that away from them is, you know, it's a pretty big deal, I think. And, and of course, you know, we've always worked hard at promoting fishing as a family sport and it is a family sport and it's one that you can do. You know, I mean, when you think about somebody out there fishing national tournaments at 70 years old, 70 years old and older, like myself and Roland Martin and Gary Yamamoto, and of course, you know, of course, now those guys are a lot older than me, but <laughs> oh, but uh, but anyway, you know, and Roland still fishes some tournaments, at, and you know, Roland turned 80 this year, and and Roland's still fishing some local tournaments down there in Florida, and I don't know that he fished any of the, uh, he was fishing some Bass Opens last year, and I'm. Can't I ever talk to, talk to him a few times lately, but I don't think he's mentioned fishing any of those bass opens this year. And of course, I think moved the schedule around on everything this year too in the tournament, so uh, it's made it a little bit more difficult for people. Yeah, and I, I I agree with you, Jimmy. Even on another note of affecting that is, I used to practice with a lot of the guys just to learn. I mean, it was a big part of my development. You know, fishing on the bass opens and, and aspiring to work my way towards elite series. That I, I would go. Right. And, and practice with guys and learn from them. And, you know, it, the first time it hit me is I used to fish the elite series as a co-angler to get that experience. And then I developed a lot of relationships with a lot of the elite guys and, you know, would, uh, would practice with them and, you know, just to absorb all that information. And then it kind of took that away. So it, it even affected a guy like me, you know, that it kind of took away an opportunity for me to get some really firsthand teachings from these guys who, what other better way? You know, and so yeah, you know, you know, you're right. I, I, I think it's a bad rule, and uh, but you know, uh, there are one of the problems that we've we've had really with tournament fishermen over the years is, for the most part, most guys are looking at their own personal agenda, and they want things set up for them personally, and uh, as opposed to looking at the the you know the overall picture of the game, and you know, one of the things that some of the guys, particularly a lot of the older guys, have done, have done throughout their entire career is. 
and we've all pretty, you know, we've all accepted whatever rules that we want to play with. That's fine, you know. And but the the majority of us have looked at the game as whatever is best for the game is what we want, not necessarily what's better best for us, but whatever's best for the game and and whatever can make the the game of fishing, the game of tournament fishing. And and I'm a you know obviously a great you know giant uh, supporter of tournament fishing. You know I think it's fantastic. Uh, but you know, it's, so many of the guys nowadays are—it's all about their little personal agenda, and it's not about making the game better, or or participating, you know, at some sort of a whatever the rule or, or the guidelines or whatever to make the game better. And and I, and I think that's one thing that's changed over the years. And and uh, you know, and I understand that. I mean, I understand that there's a lot of money in the game, and the guys are, are are fighting and struggling to pay the bills. And but that's no different than. Roland Martin or Hank Parker or me or Larry Nixon or, you know, on and on and on done from day one. I mean, we had the same battles to fight, and uh, but we still kept the game above our whatever we would gain out of it personally. We're trying to always trying to make the, the game of tournament fishing and and the sport of fishing better. I mean, that's that's been, you know, that's that's been our goal. And and you know, and that might be one of the reasons that you know there's some of the guys that have, you know, been in the game forever. I mean, uh, basically that's pretty much what a lot of us have done our entire lives. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's one of the things that, and that, that I had questions on was, you know, you've been in, you've been around this for, for a long time and, and, and been successful for years and years at it. You know, when you and, and, and Roland and, and Hank, when you guys first came onto the scene and started tournament fishing, I'm, I'm sure there's been a lot of changes through those years as far as how guys come to being professional fishermen now do you think it was more difficult back in the day when y'all started to to make a obviously the money's changed and and gotten much better but was it harder back then to get started in this industry and and have you guys kind of paved the way to make it to make it a little easier for people and i'm not and, and not that it's easy it's still very difficult I think it might perhaps be a little bit easier, but it's different. It's not, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure that uh, it's, it's kind of like looking at, uh, you know, any other major sport, you know, you look at professional baseball and, you know, you, you look to say, well, the hitters now are, are much bigger and better and stronger than they were 50 years ago. So they're better ball, better players. And that's, they're different players, but they're not necessarily better. And, and it's not necessarily easier to, to get involved and make it now, but there, there's a lot of different venues and different paths that, that these kids can take to make it to the top level. And uh, they're really and truly, honestly, at the very top level, there's roughly about the same amount of people playing as there was playing when there was only BASS. You know, most of the BASS tournaments we fished had 300 entries. And so you had 300 people. And uh, the younger guys now are astonished to hear that you you drew out and fished against another fisherman, that you were in a boat with somebody, you flipped a coin for whose boat you went in, you might have flipped a coin to whose fish you went to first, but both of you standing in the front of the boat battling for the uh, water. And, of course, a lot of the younger guys nowadays have never seen anything like that. They've always just been, you know, in, in, you know with a marshal or a co-angler. Or, and so they, they, they just they, they can't fathom that. And, they, they, and also they can't fathom fishing against 300 people. And, you know, one of the things when you look at somebody like Roland Martin, who's won nine Angler of the Year titles, he was winning Angler of the Year titles with somebody standing right beside him, you know, battling for every next cast and flipping coins to see whose vote went in and, and having to beat 300 people to win a tournament as opposed to, you know, beating uh, 80 or 75 or even in FLW, which is uh, the closest to, 
you know, old time tournament fishing, even though they do use marshals, you know, with, with 160 or 180 players, I think they cut back to 160 or something this year. But, but, you know, that's larger than both BASS and Major League Fishing put together. Both those organizations together is only still only 155 or 160 people. So, you know, there, so there's really about the same opportunity as far as the level to get up to the top level. But the, the fact that these, these kids can, can play in high school and, and learn the tournament game in high school and then play in college and, and participate on, in all these college tournaments and even get their college paid for. It's just, it's just incredible. You know I mean? Incredible. Some of these colleges are, you know, these kids are fishing out a hundred thousand dollar Ranger bass boats provided by the college with brand new rods and reels and uh, tackle boxes full of lures and things like that. And that's just such a, such a blessing and such a great advantage for those kids. And, you know, I had uh, some of the kids from the Bethel University team down here at my ranch last year, and, and we fished here. And, and a couple of them uh, graduated, turned uh, turned pro. And, and, and one of them, a boy that I fished with all day, uh, Cole Floyd, uh, finished runner-up in a tournament the other day, or maybe third, I can't remember. And I think that might have been an FLW tournament. I, I can't remember. But, but but he finished really well, you know, way up there. And, and uh, But there's a boy that is fishing at the very top level, right out of college right out of college and uh, you know and and of course I, you know, I fished at the top level in fishing right out of college but we didn't have top levels like like we have nowadays <laughs> there's a big difference in what i because that was before bass you know and and uh you know i fished the world series of sports fishing as a senior in college with the very best bass fisherman in the world and i, I did not finish runner up I got the 18th in that tournament, but uh, which I was tickled with. I was pretty happy about that, and there was probably only 80 or 90 people got to fish that tournament. But uh, but anyway, it it uh, uh, it's totally different for them, and and it's better for them. That's one of the great things. It's better for them now than it was. The, the money is better. The sponsorships uh, are better. But again, it's like any other sport at that major level. When you're talking about only 300 people, roughly, give or take playing at the top level, it's pretty pretty difficult and pretty selective to be one of those three hundred people. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And 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 you know, I can I can take that back and and I've talked about that with kids with, with baseball through my you know, my baseball playing days at Auburn University and, and you know, there's uh and, and man it's a privilege privilege to be able to play at that level. But the amount of people that, that, that make it, even from SEC Division Baseball, which is as, as good as anywhere in the country, there's, there's not a whole lot of people that make it, you know, to the top after that. It's just it's a special special group of people that are able to do that. But, um, you know, we had, a, we had a kid on here. I, I say a kid, a young man last week, Jimmy, that he, he works right here uh, for Steven at his feed company, but he's two-time national championship high school fisherman. He, he won the national championship two years in a row in high school fishing. And uh, just yeah, the things that he's got to experience at, uh, through the high school fishing. And and these, these, these tournaments here in Alabama, in high school, will have 350 boats at an event. It's amazing. Oh, well, without a doubt, without a doubt, you know, one of the things about those kids that's playing in high school and college, they're really, they're really uh, getting prepared for the big level and great because if they make it up to that top level, they don't have to play against nearly as many players as they did the high school and college. I mean, that's the big difference in that. Uh, the high school tournaments, you know, they've had to limit those tournaments because they just, they, they just too many boats on the lake and they can't get them all in and out of the water. And it's just been fantastic. And, 
I remember back when that started, started in Illinois, and I helped the people up there in Illinois get those high school tournaments started. And, and, I, and, I, and I told them then, you know, someday this could be the biggest thing ever in fishing. And it's pretty much turned out to be that way. And uh, it's just fantastic. And the great thing about it, uh, girls and boys both. And, and just like the kids out there playing, being in the band, most of them are not going to end up being, making a living in the music careers. And, and those that are, are playing, you know, high school sports, most are None of them, most of them are not going to, you know, like you said, make it to the major leagues or make it to the NBA or the NFL. And, and, and most of those kids are on those high school teams, but they're going to have fishing as a major part of their life. And, and they can do that forever. And that's one of the great things about fishing as opposed to the other sports. We, we outgrow the other sports. We, we get to where we can't run up and down a basketball court or, or, you know, run around a baseball diamond or, you know, run up and down a football field. We get to where we can't do that. And, and it happens really relatively quickly, you know. I mean, about you, you got about eight or ten years out of you out of, after you're out of college, and you know, by the time you get up there, thirty or so, thirty-five or so, most of those other sports you can't play, <laughs> but you can keep fishing. That's the good thing about it. Absolutely, Jimmy. I mean, that's that's. I tell my sons that exact thing because I was fortunate to play college football, and I remember the very my very last snap of my career, and I never played football again in my life, and mm-hmm it came to a screeching halt, something that I'd spent my entire life training for and doing. And it was a major part of my life came in one second to a screeching halt. Mm-hmm. And I never played another snap because my career was over. I mean, it was done as last yeah. Yeah. I was done. And, and my son, my oldest son is a great athlete and a avid fisherman. And I, and I've got to parallel that is like, the fishing side, the thing that you love about fishing, you can hold on to forever and you can live that out forever. And that's why, you know, I think it, I love it so much is uh, in, in most of my current career is in the hunting industry, but fishing is still my passion because I can fish every day of the year, anytime I want. I don't get the duck hunt very much no. because, because the, 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 the government tells me I can't. Right. And oh yeah, that, that's right. You know, it's like, you know, all the hunting seasons, you know, they tell you when to start, when to stop. Yeah. And, uh, and fishing, particularly in the South. Now you get in the North, you can still fish in the North, but you get in the North, they have seasons on bass and various species of fish. But, uh, but in the South, we pretty much, you know, a guy can go catch any kind of fish he wants for any, any day of the week. You get in the salt water, there's some restrictions on what you can keep and what you can't keep, but you can still fish for them and yeah. catch them. And, uh, and, and so, you know, that's one of the, uh, yeah, one of the one of the many millions of things about good about being from the south, like we are. <laughs> but uh, but you're right. You know the hunting seasons; they tell you when you can stop and when you can quit. And um, and so it, but fishing and, and it is one of those deals. You can hunt forever too, but fishing is one of those deals that that you can you can do forever, and you can actually compete. Like I said, Roland turned eighty this year, and uh, Roland still plays some local tournaments down there. He's fishing some actually with Scott's sons right now, his grandsons, and. Uh, you know, teaming up with them and fishing some of those team tournaments there on Okeechobee. And they've done pretty doggone good in some of it too. And Roland is still a terrific fisherman, you know, and can't play like he could, you know, when he was winning all those Angle of the Year titles. And one of the amazing statistics in all of bass fishing uh, is no one has won an Angle of the Year title in any of the organizations, not just BASS, but in any of the organizations that's 50 years old or older. When you think about the greatness of somebody like Roland Martin and Kevin Van Dam and Larry Nixon and Ricky Clun and on and on and on. And you think, and those guys, all of those guys played well past 50 years old and Kevin's still playing past 50 years old. 
But none of them have won an Angler of the Year title. And, you know, Ricky Clunn you know, won a BASS tournament last year at the oldest age anyone's ever done it. And he still might win a tournament, but, but he'll never win another Angler of the Year title. And uh, neither probably will Kevin or Roland or any of them, you know. I mean, and of course, Roland's not, not playing in BASS but anymore. But, but, but he played a long time in BASS after he was 50. I, I, I did too, <laughs> you know. And I didn't win anymore after age 50 either. I didn't even win, you know, I think, I, I can't remember. I guess I was like 40. I don't know, 42 or 44 or something when I won my last BASS angle of the year. So uh, it, it, it's a young man's game, but it's a young man's game that a guy can still compete and play at an older age. And, and as Ricky Clunt proved winning that tournament last year, you can play pretty doggone good, too. You can still win. I mean, let's, let's transition a little bit because, you know, this is the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report. And so, like, When's the last time you've been to Alabama to fish? What What were you doing? Share with the listeners your last experience. Uh, as As everybody knows, just across the South, but Alabama has some amazing fisheries that you know, if you're in the game of fishing, you find yourself in Alabama quite often. When was the last time you were in Alabama? You're absolutely right. We fished many, many, many lakes in Alabama, and we've done a lot of television shows over the uh, 44 years of, of outdoor television in Alabama. And actually, I was in Alabama for the Bassmaster Classic in Birmingham on the 7th and 8th of March. And then when that week was over, I stayed in Alabama and fished all week. And I fished uh, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and uh, part of Thursday and, and headed back. And and uh, and we, we just had a great time down there, caught a lot of fish. And, and I was actually supposed to, just should tell you how God works sometime in a person's life, I was actually scheduled to be on Fox and Friends on Saturday morning, I think like March 14th or 15th, whatever that particular Saturday was, in New York City. And, of course, that was when the COVID was not, you know, just beginning to get out. And uh, we had just done the Bassmaster Classic there in Birmingham where we shook hands and taken pictures with thousands of people on a Saturday and Sunday and nobody thinking about or caring about or even knowing much about the virus and uh, but we stayed and filmed and then uh, but they called me on a Thursday as I was going uh, leaving that that night I was going up to uh, Memphis and I was flying to New York City the next day and, and Bass Pro told me they had me double book and I said well I know you you had me double book I was supposed to be in Cabela's in Oklahoma City on the same day but y'all were going to rearrange that and they said well somehow we slipped up and we didn't do it and we have people calling and the flyers are out so if you if you would, we don't want you to go to New York. We want you to go to Oklahoma City. And so I would have been in New York City, LaGuardia Airport, downtown Manhattan, Fox Studios, on Saturday morning the 15th, right in the middle of when the coronavirus really broke out and started hitting. So, uh, you know, but, but God kept me away from New York. Ain't that cool? That's awesome. <laughs> and, uh, and so I worked in Oklahoma City where everybody was there. Everybody was cool. Nobody had the virus yet. And so it was, it was all good. But we had a great time in Alabama. You know, I, I had a really memorable experience there in, in Alabama. I was fishing with my buddy Red Berry. <clears throat> and uh, when we got ready to go, he, he was telling me I, I was staying at his house there at uh, Smith Lake. He told me, he said, uh, you know, I, I sold my locator off the front of this boat. I'm getting ready to buy a new locator. And he told me what brand he was buying. I said, what are you buying? He told me, and I said, well, no, you're not. He said, oh, I sure am. He said, I know, I know exactly what I want. Man, I got picked out perfect. I said, I'm going to this guy pays me for this one off this boat. I'm going to go buy that new one. I said, no, you're not. I said, uh, after you fish with me, you're going to buy one just like I got on the front of this tracker boat. I had my tracker 195 uh, there, you know, in, in Alabama. My camera guys had brought it down and, uh, you know, met me there after I worked at Bassmaster Classic. And uh, it's got the new Garmin Livescope on it. And 
And I told him, I said, uh, you know, you'll, you'll buy one of these. And he said, I don't care about buying that thing. I'm probably not smart enough to run it. And I don't care about it. But uh, at the, at the, that afternoon at about four o'clock, I told him, I said, what kind of locator are you going to buy and put on your boat's house? And I said, well, buy one just like that one you got on front of this. Yeah, I told him, I said, I told you so. <laughs> but we had, an, we had a deal happen that afternoon about uh, two o'clock in the afternoon. We were spinnerbait fishing, imagine that. And uh, we were. We were spinnerbait fishing, and we were fishing some logs and stuff and stuff, and we'd caught a few fish. We hadn't done great, but we'd done fair, and uh, caught enough nice fish to do a television show. I just lost a big fish and just come unbuttoned uh, about 30 minutes before that. But as we was going down through there, we were fishing at visible cover, throwing a spinnerbait around logs and stumps and bushes, any kind of cover we could see, like you do. And I, But as I was going along, I was scanning left and right out in front of the boat with that live scope, and, and I told him, right now, I had my locator on a console, ethernet to it so he could still see he could see the exact same picture i was seeing up front and i scanned out to the left in about nine foot of water and i, I told him i said see that look at that big brush pile out there in that big log i said there's a big bass laying right on top of it look at that and it was suspended over the top of it and i thought my spinnerbait over there run it down about three foot pulled it over the top of that bass and i caught it and the bass weighed over nine pounds God. and he told me he said he said that's the most amazing thing i've ever seen and i said welcome to video game fishing that fish did not deserve to get caught that fish only could have got caught by one or two things either somebody just luckily fan casting out off the bank and happened to get a bait close enough to get in the strike range or seeing the fish before you throw at it and uh, so it's uh it's it, it's pretty pretty amazing so i've got a real good memory from my last trip to, to alabama the fact that i did not have to go to new york where i might have caught the covid virus and uh and, and the fact that you know, have a great friend, great time with great friends down there. But, you know, I, my first BASS tournament was at Uvall, Alabama. And uh, the biggest stringer of fish I've ever caught in a BASS tournament came the first day of that tournament. Uh, we had a 15 bass limit, and I caught 11 that first day that weighed uh, 52 pounds and 8 ounces. <laughs> and the second place only had 43-something. I had like a 9-pound lead uh, in the tournament. So, oh, man, Alabama is what, – what are you talking about, man? Alabama's got the fishing. Yeah, we're fortunate. We do. We have some great really? Yeah, and that's why we really? enjoy doing this show every week because just the versatility and, and being able to have different people on and, and, and give different angles across the fishery from all the way from the Tennessee River down to the Mobile Delta and, you know, uh, east to west, north to south. So, uh, you know, one time in my early marriage, uh, my wife, who is, a, who is from Georgia, grew up in Atlanta, Asked, you know, could could we move back to Atlanta? And I said, Why in the world would I ever? <laughs> yeah. She said, What do you mean? I said, I have thirteen major fisheries three hours from my doorstep. Why would I ever leave? We're blessed with that. And, we uh, are, no doubt. Uh, we are no, still. That, it's, it's sort of the same situation we have here in Oklahoma. You know, I grew up on Lake Tenkiller, and uh, which is very fortunate. You know, and obviously changed my life to be able to grow up on a lake. But, you know, I had seven or eight major reservoirs within two hours of the house, and, and most of them within an hour. And uh, we just got a lot of water and a lot of great fishing. And uh, people really don't realize how much great fishing there is. They, they, they hear about fishing in the South all the time, obviously, because it's good everywhere, whether you're in Texas or Florida or wherever. But uh, it's amazing how much, how much great fishing lakes and, and great fishermen we have from the South. And, of course, now we have great fishermen from everywhere. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, the only time it's not necessarily great to be in the South is, like, right now. <laughs> Absolutely. I we still wouldn't trade that. it for anything, though. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it. <laughs> well, you know, and, and, and 
we, we don't want to keep you on here too long, and we appreciate the, the time that you gave us for sure. But one of, one of the – I want you to share all the experience that you've got. And you talked about a big stringer, you know, at your first event here on Ufala. What's that marquee moment? When you look back over your career, what's that wow moment? And I'm sure you've got a lot of them. But if you had to pick one of them out of hat, what would it be? Well, you know, probably the thing that, that I'm most pleased with, uh, you know, we've had lots of wild moments, a lot of things that's happened, but the thing that I'm most pleased with is that very first angle of the year title way back in 1976. One of the reasons was that I, that was only my second year to fish BASS. I fished the, the first or se- second or third tournament BASS ever had that Ufala Alabama tournament, and I'd fished other national tournaments before BASS come into existence for a couple of years there. But I only fished like one or two BASS tournaments a year until 1975. So that was like seven years later, and we were working and just couldn't afford to go to the tournaments, didn't have the time. But I fished them all in 1975, and there's some strange reasons why I ended up fishing them all. But, But anyway, I just dedicated to fish them all, and I did. And I ended up third in the angle of the year standings, which really, to be honest, totally honest with you, and, and I, you know, I mean, I believed in myself, no doubt, but, but I thought that's pretty good. I thought, you know, I thought I know I could compete with those guys and get up in the top 10 quite a bit, but, and actually, uh, Roland Martin, uh, who else, you know, Roland Martin won the angle of the year title that year. Ricky Green was in second place, and, and Ricky, a great friend of mine, I carried him to his grave. And I was third and Bill Dance was fourth. So that's a pretty hierarchy of, you know, names in bass fishing history right there. But I was third. And I can remember telling Ray Scott at that tournament, you know, I said, I'm going to win the angle of the year next year. And Ray said, really? He said, you think you can beat Roland Martin and Bill Dance and Ricky and all these guys? I said, well, I beat them all but Roland and Ricky this year. <laughs> and he said, oh, well, I guess you did. You know, that's a pretty cocky statement, though. And I said, well, that's what happened. And so I set out in 1976 to win a BASS Angle of the Year title. And it was the only year I ever set out to win one. And um, But it was my goal. It was something I dedicated all of my being to. Uh, I was competing so hard. And I, it was like the most important thing in my life. It was something I wouldn't recommend anybody getting to that point and doing. And I shouldn't have done it, but but I did. And uh, I just, I was to the point that during the tournament competition, if I didn't have a pretty good day going by 8.30 or 9 o'clock in the morning, you know, I'd get physically sick and throw up over the side of the boat. I mean, and just uh, that's how hard I was competing. And, I mean, it's like, and I wasn't that much fun to be around, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Still married to my first wife, but that probably, I probably tested that a lot during 1976. But uh, but I did win the angle of the year and, and uh, got down to the end of the year, uh, basically between Roland Martin and myself, um, God, Roger Moore. And uh, Roger Moore was leading the, the standings in 76, and uh, Roland was, uh, was up there second, I think, and I was third, I believe. And the last tournament was a tournament in Missouri on Roger Moore's home lake, so everybody thought that he would win that thing. And as it turned out, you know, he didn't, obviously, and Roland didn't, and I won. And But that, to me, it was the crowning achievement of what I've tried to do in bass fishing. Uh, the, I, only, I only won one other Angle of the Year title in 1986, and I didn't try to win it. I, I mean, I, well, I, that's not good. I mean, that, that, I didn't mean it the way it sounded. I, you know, I tried, because I'm trying real hard every time. But, but that wasn't a goal, I'll put it that way. And not until we get down to about the fourth or fifth turn of the year, and I was still up there really high in the standings, and... My wife told me, she said, you need to try to win this thing with a year title. And I said, I don't care whether I win it or not. I've already won it. I don't really care. And she said, well, you better not. We never did any pre-fishing 
or anything. We just go fish a three days practice. We didn't go ahead of time a couple of weeks and look at the lake or anything like that. And and uh, she said these last two tournaments, you better go check those lakes out a little bit ahead of time. And and uh, I did on one of them. I did on both of them. But uh, you know the circumstances hit right, and God just blessed me with that aim of the year title in '86. But uh, the one in '76 was was worth. I mean, to me personally, it was just so much better because it was something I really set out to do and 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 did. And and I don't have bucket lists. I don't have things that I'm trying to accomplish or achieve. I just uh, work hard every day to try to keep things going in a positive direction. And the Angler of the Year titles after the one in '76, just to be honest, was unimportant. I mean, it's great to win, win them, you know, and I was tickled to death to win that one in '86, but it wasn't like '76 when you really, you know, dedicate your heart, mind, and soul to something and, and then you're able to achieve it. it it's just a personally, it's a good goal. Doesn't mean a whole lot to anybody else, but it's just one of those personal deals, you know. Well, and absolutely, and, and, and you know, the, having that goal and then achieving it is part of the victory and part of the celebration, and, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm probably a bigger deer hunter than I'm a fisherman, and, uh, you know, I've been fortunate to kill some good deer, and, and people ask me, what's your favorite deer you ever killed? What's the one you're the proudest of? And it's not the biggest one, and, and it's, it's on a different scope, obviously, than winning Bass Angler of the Year, but it was... It was a deer that I was after that particular deer, and I hunted the entire yeah. deer and rain and sleet, and, and and finally got him. And he's and and he's not the biggest deer I've ever killed. And I've killed since him. I killed bigger deer, but he's still the most special because some of those big deer I killed it was just it's kind of like that second one. You know, you you look up and you're in a situation like there he is, and it's, right, <laughs> and uh, and yeah. good, and I'm glad it did. But it, it was not a goal. This this particular deal was a goal, and it makes it that much sweeter. So that's a great story, man. Thank you for sharing that. It does. It was it was special, and I look back on that as you know. And my wife, you know, in Bassing House, she won like seven Angler of the Year titles, and none of them I think was really. They were just all yeah. You know, she's fishing, and, you know, just well, you know, I won Angler of the Year. The good thing about it is I got to sell all the boats she won. That was one good thing. That's awesome. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I got to tell all the boats that she won every time she won Angler of the Year. But, but you know, I mean, she was proud of them and everything. But, but she never ever set out as a goal to win that Angler of the Year, and, and I didn't either, except that one time. And, and I think that's kind of special when you do something like that. But I think it's bad to be so consumed as I was with it because it was what I was thinking about, you know, the entire year. And it's just really not not good. I, I'm, you know, I mean, as I look back on it at the time, it, it seemed like the right thing to do. <laughs> but as I look back on it. Probably better be. At the same time, that separates people from, and we talked earlier in the show about separating, you know, college from pros and high school from college and things like that. And and the fact that you're able to get your mindset into that place and, and, and that determination has led not only to two bass angles of the year, but I mean, that's part of who you are and your makeup and, and, that's part of why you're successful in how the career you had. So it's, it's not all bad. That intensity is, yeah, you, you, you know, as long as it's pointing in the right direction, it's the reason you've, you've had the career, big part of it, I'm sure. So Yeah, well, I think intensity is probably one of the, the key things in competition at, at any level, no matter who you are. And I think that intensity and concentration, which uh, both of those things have nothing to do with, uh, with, with physical skills, but they're the middle – capacity that adds to those physical skills and, and knowledge that you have that intensity and, uh, and concentration to do things correctly for long periods of time which is what tournament fishing is all about is to do things correctly for a long period of time not just for 
a few seconds on on a play or a little bit of time you're on the basketball court or the time that you're at bat or in the field playing baseball or all the all the other sports you know you, the intensity is you know the concentration level is you know you don't have to keep it maximum for the whole time uh, you know i think the closest thing comes to that might be nascar you know where you've got to have that concentration pretty much pretty much that whole race or you you have pit stops for a few seconds, but it's just a very few seconds. Yes, and um, other than that, you know, but the only difference is in concentration, if you lose it in bass fishing out there and start daydreaming, which we all do. I mean, it's easy to lose concentration in bass fishing. But uh, we just start performing and mechanically doing things instead of concentrating on every little thing that, you know, you need to concentrate on to be successful. And, but, you know, of course, in, in, in NASCAR, in, in long-distance automobile racing, you lose that concentration for a second, and you start tearing up sheet metal. <laughs> That's right. You're on the wall in a hurry. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Uh, we, we, don't, we don't have quite so bad a concent- uh, consequences of uh, fishing as we lose concentration. <laughs> not, not like those guys do. Well, no, no, uh, Mr. No. Jimmy, again, we appreciate it. We're honored that, you, uh, that you're on our show today, and thank you so much. Man, we could sit and probably uh, talk to you all day on this thing if we didn't run out of time, but we'd love to have you back on again sometime in the future and hope you'll join us. But, man, good luck to you and, and, and whatever's in store for you and, and your life and your world, and keep spreading the word. Appreciate what you're doing. And, uh, man, we look forward to talking to you again. I appreciate that so much. Uh, you know, people check out our Jimmy Houston Outdoors YouTube channel, the Jimmy Houston Outdoors. And also we have another YouTube channel, our Catch of the Day. We started back in April. It's got it's already up, uh, got over 5,000 subscribers on it since then. And uh, it's where we do a reading out of our Catch of the Day daily devotional book. We have a scripture, a, a daily devotional, and a fishing tip. And uh, that's every we put that up every day at 5 o'clock Central Time one for every day of the year and that's a uh, uh, very very popular uh, since we started that in in april and uh and it will change people's lives and make them a better fisherman at the same time that's a beautiful thing we just what's it called now i'm sorry catch of the day catch of the day guys go check out catch, catch of the day, day. Uh, look for jimmy on his youtube facebook channel uh man this uh, the knowledge he can share is is amazing and so uh, be sure to check him out Mr. Jimmy, stay safe out there. We appreciate you, and I look forward to talking to you again, buddy. Appreciate you guys. Y'all have a good one. Stay cool. Thanks. See you. All right, guys. Well, hey, that is a a great show. Thanks to our guest uh, for being on today. Thanks, Stephen, for for helping me out with this deal. And, guys, that is going to be a wrap for this week. Please subscribe, rate, and drop us a review wherever you listen to the podcast. If you'd like us to email you the podcast, we'd love to do that for you. So just head on over to greatdaysoutdoors.com slash AFFR, and we'll send you the show each and every single week. So spread the word. Tell your friends to listen to us and uh and drop us a review we greatly appreciate it that is a wrap for today we'll talk to y'all again next week this week's alabama freshwater fishing report was brought to you by killer dock check out the full line of all natural dock enhancing fish cleaning stations at killerdock.com and brought to you by fish bites ready to go when you are regardless of when you're ready to go fishing this bait stays on the hook and the fish stay on the bait check them out fishbites.com and brought to you by you do outdoors check out you do outdoors on your app store google play it's a social media app for whatever you do outdoors this episode was brought to you by brian sand with national land realty you already trust me with your fishing report so trust me to help you find or sell that next piece of property 
as well. Just give me a call at 601-383-2344. And also brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Become a better southern hunter and angler and pick up your copy today wherever fine magazines are sold or save online at greatdaysoutdoors.com.